Welcome back to the School of Calisthenics podcast. And this week with Tim and Jacko, we take a little bit of a break from all of the... We've had some ridiculously good guests recently, uh, almost so good that um, we thought we'd need... We want to take a break and we're going to like pivot sideways and try out something a little bit different, which is story time with Timbo. Uh, so Tim, let them know what it is that this is. this one is about. Uh, so I'd spent a bit of time putting together a blog and it was a fairly long one um, but I thought it might be useful I'd written a, a bit of creative context around why calisthenics Beautifully written. Um, is the greatest form of exercise and that's a fairly bold statement so I thought it was only right that I should put forward the, the case and, and submit some evidence so that you the jury can decide whether I have uh, whether I am correct or right or whether I have done enough to convince you that calisthenics is the greatest form of exercise so this is me reading my own work which is slightly self-indulgent and actually more difficult than it says <laughs> out but uh, it's good practice because I'm hoping at some point that we'll do an audiobook and we break and we break it up after each section there. so it's like yeah. a big claim and then Tim's got seven points a uh, piece of evidence that he that he goes through and then we discuss those uh, and uh, to sort of break that up and then uh, jump back into then the next one and we'd really love we hope you enjoy listening to it um, and we'd really love to hear your thoughts about the claim and any pieces of the seven bits of evidence um, to know what you thought and um, so let us know um, whether you were in agreement is that right? agreement? Yeah, agreement yeah agreement I can't you know what I mean. <laughs> Hit us up on Insta. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen. Order, order, order. Court is in session. Welcome to Storytime with Timbo. Um, so yes, now this is Jacko, but Tim, we've got a new little flavour for the podcast today where um, Tim is going to, he's been working really hard on his story time with little Jack and he wanted to bring that, bring that game to the podcast where he's going to read us through possibly the greatest blog Well, I put a lot of time into this one and it was quite, it ended up, ended up being quite a long one. Um, and I just thought it was worth maybe just making it a bit easier for people to digest because it, it would have taken a little bit of effort to read it. But there's also some stuff in there which I think is really useful that we share and opportunity for us to discuss it. So if you didn't manage to sort of find the five, ten minutes it would take to, to read the blog, we thought we'd read it to you. And you so Tim's going to read it. So we're going to have some pauses throughout to be able to uh, digest and discuss some of the topics and hopefully some thought-provoking uh, conversation will come out of it. So over to you, Timbo. Well, thanks, Jacko. <laughs> practice for the audiobook. Um, so the, the blog was titled Why Calisthenics is the Greatest Form of Exercise. And we'll dive straight in. And as Jacko says, we'll dissect it as we go along. So for me to be able to make a statement that says that calisthenics is the greatest form of exercise, I need to be able to take on what is known as onus probandi, which is basically means the burden of proof. So in a legal civil trial, it is the obligation of the plaintiff, the person who brings the case against another person in court of, of law, to prove the claims that they've made against the party, Jacko. So if I am to prove that calisthenics is the greatest form of exercise, it is my responsibility to present the facts to convince you. Okay. Do you need convincing at this point? Uh, yeah, well, yeah. Many would. <laughs> many would. Maybe not many. You're yeah. probably like an I'm easy one. If like, you were on the jury... I'm a, I'm a, let's call me a warm lead. Yeah, say, if you are on the jury, I'd be chalking up one vote already <laughs> in my case. So we're going to need to determine the proof, and there are three different levels of proof. So in a civil case, the level of proof that is required to get a case 
um, deemed to be or lawfully yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, judged is known as the preponderance of the evidence and that means that it's more likely than not that the facts are as a plaintiff me claims as a, that they are right. more the likely that than calisthenics not. is the greatest form of training yeah. it's more likely than not that calisthenics is the greatest form of right. training yeah. that would have to pass in a criminal case to give it some context so the, more than 50 like 51 percent yeah that, yeah, yeah. In favour. In a criminal case, the prosecution has to prove that it's beyond reasonable doubt. Obviously, somebody's life is at risk, potentially. They're going to go to jail for a long time um, if that defendant is guilty. So that is the highest level of proof because freedom is at stake. Today, the audience, you and everybody listening, is on jury service. But because no one's freedom is actually at stake, no form of fitness will be dismantled upon what we decide. We'll consider this as a civil case and therefore, if the judge was here, the instructions to the jury would be when I tell you that a party must prove something, I mean that the party must persuade you by the evidence presented in court that what he or she is trying to prove is more likely to be true than not true. Okay. Those are your I, I used to run the court um, at rugby. It was a slightly different court. But um, yeah, so court is officially now in session. Yeah. Did you ever used to put a tea towel on your head when you ran court? Uh, we, had, we had all sorts. <laughs> we had one guy who used to, yeah, that was a bit different. That <laughs> tried. Yeah. So ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I propose to you that calisthenics is the greatest form of physical exercise. And here is a summary of my evidence. So exhibit A is the human movement system. Humans are designed to move. It is essential for our survival and therefore being able to do so is a primary concern of the brain. However, many training approaches do not respect the complexity of the human movement system and offer incomplete methods for training it. The movement options available to humans are extensive and as history has progressed, we are called upon to utilize very few of them in order to survive. This could be confused with system efficiency, but a loss of these motor abilities begins a cascade of, neg- of negative compensations that disrupts the kinetic chain, that being the connection of body segments that allows the transfer of forces and ultimately human movement. And this leads to pain, weakness, and poor quality movement patterns. The movement system is not only muscle, bone, nerves, and connective tissue. We must also consider the other sensors, such as the vestibular system. These semicircular canals in the ear serve to govern our perception of movement and tell us which way is up. This is significant because the quality of sensory information gathered provides messaging to the brain upon which movement decisions are made. Like anything else in the human body, we must either use it or we lose it. So training should include challenge to this system as well. Going upside down against a wall or spinning on rings is a great place to start. Calisthenics as a form of exercise requires you to connect the entire human movement system. You simply cannot perform a handstand, human flag, or even a high-quality pull-up unless you can achieve this. In bodyweight training, you must earn the right to progress because you are only as strong as the weakest link in your chain, and you can only hide from that for so long. Learning to create multiple joint stability and transferring forces throughout the chain is the essence of how the human movement system is designed to operate. Bodyweight training exposes you to movement in all planes of motion and challenges you to explore a full range of joint angles. In the process, you build stability and strength in positions where other modalities do not even venture. Furthermore, calisthenics is continually scalable, offering a progressive stimulus which is limitless and continues to provide the human body with the essential ingredients for controlled and efficient movement. Workouts are adaptable, and the principles of human movement that are so important for a high-performing functional system still feature when the desired adaptation changes. Training programs then can be designed for strength, power, endurance, or body composition. 
The evidence shows that the human movement system is designed as an integrated system with the potential for incredible things. A complete training solution must recognize this and challenge it accordingly. So now, Jacko, it's time for me to call my first expert witness. And this is Robert Shelp, who wrote a book called Fascia in Sports and Movement. And his quote from the book, it says, The muscle bone concept presented in standard anatomical description gives a purely mechanical model of movement. It separates movement into discrete functions, failing to give a picture of the seamless integration seen in a living body. When one part moves, the body as a whole responds. And I think that is just serves to illustrate the point that when we start to particularly think about the fascial system, that we are, anatomy textbooks would have us believe that we have got these individual muscles that bend and flex the elbow and it's one or the other. It's not really like that. We actually are one big piece of yeah. muscle, which hence then lends us to, if we're going to train the human movement system, we need to be respectful of how the system is actually put together, not what we get when we take a knife out and start chopping it into bits that our small brain can then start to understand and comprehend. Yeah, it reminds it reminds me of um, a few conversations recently with various different coaches where, and I've said it to you a couple of times, around going something seeming complicated, but actually like managing to somehow like not dumb it down but like simplify it and go it's actually it's actually like like, like that as idea is almost the whole thing moving as one is a little bit not less it might be complicated but it's also sort of a simple concept to get your head around rather than going got to deal with all these things working independently and that reminds me of when um, when we were at the circus and Glenn the, the director of training there said that like, the first time I went down we were talking about juggling and to say and juggling being more about uh, balance than rather than necessarily yes it's about coordination but the idea that when you're standing still and you wave your arms about and even he broke it down to simply as if I lift my right arm up to the side I should fall over because that weight should pull me down whereas I don't even I'm doing it now as I talk and I can't feel anything but something is happening elsewhere yeah. in the body as I move that to keep myself still. Um, which even, is even walking. You think about the most <laughs> thing we take it as a, as a simple movement, but if you if someone who walks in their gait pattern is all fairly unique for all of us, but it's an arm and leg exercise like forces are transferred yeah. through the system. And if you try and walk around with your arms still by the side of you, while it's going to take a significant more en- amount of energy. And it reminds me sometimes I saw a guy that was out walking the dog uh, yesterday, and you know when you see really awkward runners. So this guy was. Like, he was on a motor more like, was he? trotting like no, it's one of those annoyingly efficient runners he probably runs ah, yeah he like, just smashes you apart run that oh, type yeah. of guy but you look at him and he's like he's holding his hands in like a T-Rex position yeah. and he's like scuttling across the floor <laughs> yeah, yeah. and I look at it and go that's painfully inefficient but I, th- I bet you're rapid yeah but I but think it's potentially you can't do anything else technique like I don't know there was a guy I've seen at Parkrun before ahead of me and I thought oh good luck like, I, you know, in the first hundred metres I'm thinking oh good luck son you're not going to stay in front of me running like that and then like I never saw him again and he ran it in about 17 minutes yeah, I went to see the London Marathon once and we were down at like mile 20 and I saw the elite female group come through and I'm looking at the biomechanics in my eye whenever you see someone run you're always kind of analysing what's going on and it's shocking but these, these girls are running 5 minute miles for 26 miles yes. but aside from the point that the point I think that that goes to serve is that whilst we might have a purely like perfect biological atomical perspective of what we think proper movement looks like everyone's different but the reality is everyone has their system which is built the same bone lengths might change yeah. for example and joint positions might change slightly but ultimately we are talking about one big movement system as opposed to what the ankle does 
specifically around the gastroc, for example, or the soleus and the role of whatever they are, with knee bent or not be any extension and whatever. Or yeah. I think the, I think we're, I'm with you and I'm sure I hope those listening are with that first piece of evidence around the, the concept that rather than it being all these little parts that all work independently, that it is one, one, one system and yeah. everything has an effect on each other. This is the customer service announcements. Uh, Jacko speaking. And we'd like to tell you about the new free eight-week beginners program now available inside the virtual classroom to help you get started on your calisthenics journey. Jacko, that sounds fun, dozy. To sign up for free, go to the virtual classroom at schoolofcalisthenics.com. I think my, my closing remarks on that one is when we think about take that into the context of a normal gym training environment and we we have a chest day like from a from a human movement and performance perspective that res- respects the system a chest day is irrelevant like it gets you a bigger chest but it's not actually doing something a lot of the time which is integrated into how the system is designed to move so just some people can reflect on that there were some shoulders and triceps going on that chest day regardless it's very difficult to actually even iron it down to isolate it even if you're trying to isolate it and simplify it you're still going to be using more than one thing right exhibit B mental well-being sit tight this one took me some time to write in the year 2000 a study from Duke University showed that exercise was more effective at treating depression than sertraline which is an antidepressant Now, in 2019, despite what the drug companies may lead us to believe, scientists have proven that exercise has significant positive effects on anxiety, stress, depression, and attention deficit. From a neuromuscular perspective, it is known that much of the brain's signaling and activity is regulated by a powerful group of neurotransmitters, meet serotonin, norepinephrine, and dopamine. Serotonin mediates brain activity and influences mood, anger, impulsivity, and aggression. It is often prescribed in drug form to, to treat depression, anxiety, and obsessive behavior. Norepinephrine ramps up the signals influencing motivation, arousal, attention, and perception. Dopamine is a movement neurotransmitter that also influences learning, attention, and reward. There is a lot of money to be made by packaging these neurotransmitters into pill form and prescribing them to improve mental health. What is uncomfortable for the pharmaceutical giants is that due to the complexity of the human brain, one drug or a manufactured combination may not solve the problem because there is a fine balance and intricate interplay involved. We do, however, find a complete solution in exercise, and that happens to be free. So far in my presentation of the case for calisthenics and its effect on mental well-being, I have done little more than strengthen the argument for exercise and not specifically bodyweight training. That is true until we consider dementia and Alzheimer's disease, and it is here that calisthenics stands apart. A growing body of research shows exercise to be a potent stimulus to improve the brain's infrastructure by developing and enhancing the neural wiring at a cellular level. A major player in this process is a group of proteins known as factors, and one in particular is especially potent, brain-derived neurotrophic factor, or BDNF. When researchers put BDNF on a Petri disc containing neurons, they promptly grow new branches. BDNF then is like a neural fertilizer, and exercise generates plentiful quantities. Research studies have found it post-training in the hippocampus, an area of the brain associated with learning, memories, and emotion. 
In 2007, a study found that the rate of learning was improved by 20% following exercise compared to before. Interestingly, this correlated directly with the levels of BDNF in the, present in the brain. But just doing exercise will not make you smarter or initiate the development of new neural circuitry. There must be an appropriate stimulant. In conditions such as dementia and Alzheimer's, we find dying and damaged brain cells. We know, however, that it is possible for neurons to grow, divide, and propagate through a process known as neurogenesis. This is the foundation of neuroplasticity, or the brain's ability to change itself. Scientists have shown that exercise stimulates neurogenesis and BDNF production. It is in this perfect partnership we have the creation of new neurons and the fertilizer to help them proliferate. But there is one condition. Exercise must include complex novel tasks that require coordination and skill acquisition. The stimulus must prompt the need to learn and therefore it cannot be achieved through something we already have mastery of. Due to the challenges of experimenting on the brains of humans, neuroscientist William Grinoff set up an experiment which compared running rats with a group of, that was set tasks on balanced beams and unstable objects. After two weeks, the rats faced with complex motor skill challenges showed a 35% increase in BDNF compared to the group that just ran. That's a big difference in brain fertilizer. If something is to hold the ties to the greatest form of exercise, it should create an environment in which our mental health can be trained and enhanced to the same extent as our physical body. Calisthenics provides this through an exercise form based on progressive and continual opportunities to learn to move in new ways. The never-ending skill acquisition process which will stimulate new neural circuitry to stave off degenerative mental illness in addition to stimulating aerobic training intensity. When we combine the additional benefits of play and the social culture found in calisthenics, we have something very powerful. If that wasn't enough, the new neural circuitry that you develop through calisthenics will, be, will actually be recruited by the brain and used for thinking. The prefrontal cortex will co-op the mental power of the physical skills and apply it to other situations. I put it to the jury that calisthenics might even make you more intelligent. And my, my expert witness um, for this component of my case is, Mr. is Dr. John Ratti. He wrote a book called Spark. And he says, exercise strengthens the cellular machinery of learning on three levels. First, it optimizes your mindset to improve alertness, attention, and motivation. Second, it prepares and encourages nerve cells to bind to one another, which is a cellular basis for logging in new information. And third, it spurs the development of new nerve stem cells from stem cells in the hippocampus. Over to you, Jacko. It's, I was thinking, uh, was a few, I've got three things I'm thinking. One of which is that I think I'm supposed to be um, providing some sort of argument against, maybe do you know, to, it's difficult. Uh, I think um, it's just a discussion was, of the. Uh, yeah. I if you I'm just thinking it, of being yeah. in court, like if I was on the, just to just to spice it up a bit, but it's difficult. If this were a courtroom drama, like a few <laughs> yeah. good men, yes. I would expect you to be stood you there. You can't handle the truth. This is a bit like the way that I see it is like Eminem and Eight Mile. Like yeah. I'm just, I'm just yes. spitting real, real talk. Yeah. And you're like got nothing. Is One, that is that good? Actually, close case now. Yeah, good, yeah. I've got six more exhibits. <laughs> Um, one thing I am, one thing that fascinates me is um, what the, the what they managed to get rats to do. And then I've currently got an image in my head of like a guy in a white suit, in a white coat, like, and he's got his rats running the control group. They're fine. They're on a wheel. I'm imagining it's a wheel, rather than like yeah. little rat 
um, treadmills. Um, and then I've, and then there's this other guy, and he's got these ones, and he's like trying to get them to go for balance beams. And it's, I don't know, just I've just got this mental picture. Of, some uh, some of the, the, the copy around it's this amazing. Will, they get results though, still from it. Like they, they talk a lot around this. That um, we get into neurology of movement, that we've been talking about a lot. That the brain hates boredom. So if you put a rat in a cage and there's stuff for it to do with this food around, it's fairly unlikely that it'll just sit still. Like mm. humans are probably. And that's why social media is so addictive because when we sit there, we haven't got anything to do. The brain is like, come on then, entertain me. Yeah, I don't so want to just pick, want to sit yeah. here. We have to be really intentional about like forcing mindfulness. And I don't know that a, a, a rat has got the intelligence level to think, do you know what? It's 2.30, it's mindfulness time. <laughs> so you give them some stuff to do and they'll just crack on. Yeah. But anyway. Well, yeah, so imagine, so that like 35% that it was, the increase, that's without being able to like help them with that learning process like that's just let, that's just sticking the things in front of them and letting it happen whereas yeah. if we did that with humans we'd be able to go okay here's some make it a game and make it fun and all this mm. and I think one thing that just I've been on recently um, on my own sort of training um and realization we were saying that about this with because I was trying to think well what other because the cases a lot of that case was around exercise and there's lots of different ways to exercise and then the you, you know the big thing you hit home with is that in calisthenics you're going to learn something new um, and there are other you know if you've never Olympic lifted before and you go to CrossFit you might that's a, that's a new movement pattern you're going to learn but it's it's probably the case for calisthenics, I think, as well, is that that, that thing that you're learning, is it can be very, very new. It's not like, okay, well, I've done a deadlift before, and so my clean is like an extension of my dead. I know it's not, you know, there's a lot of differences, but it's not a million miles away, rather than like, if I've never done a handstand before, when I try and put my hands on the floor, like, it's so new that it's exciting, and I think when something's excited, when we get excited, we, we want to, we want to do it more. Um, and I think the important thing is, is also this, this section about mental health needs to be viewed in context or alongside the human movement system being a connected chain, uh, yeah. uh, which is one piece. So it's, we're looking at things like, uh, for it to be the greatest form of exercise, we need to utilize a full movement system and we need to have continuous skill acquisition yeah. opportunities. And I think the thing around out, Alzheimer's and, and dementia is like, is significant. I mean, yes, you can go and do any form of exercise and we're going to get, it's going to be good for our mental yeah. health period. Like, then that's a great thing. And, and this isn't to sort of rubbish other exercise size four and all I'm just sort of putting forward is that there's a real potential value in, in the opportunity that we have with calisthenics to, to do a little bit more than what other yeah. things offer because you're right with like CrossFit an example there are skills in there you're going to have to learn but once you've learned them what happens they just get ramped you yeah. just do more of them yeah. there isn't anything necessarily new within CrossFit which you go all of a sudden the games is a bit of a different opportunity because it might go all of a sudden you've got a handstand walk over from parallel bars and that's a new skill and whatever but for the majority of people they're not at that level um, and I think that's the, that's the major thing for me that like when we talk about longevity what do we want to invest we talked a lot about physical pension mm investing in skill acquisition and keeping the brain fresh and never stopping that like calisthenics is never going to give you uh, it's never going to stop giving there's always yeah. going to be something you can learn and yes it gets harder um, but even when you get to that point we should still then be looking for different application yeah. and different opportunities and we've said as adults you don't often learn something new whereas kids you do it all the time and you get a real buzz out of that yeah. um, and I think that that then spills over into other areas of your life it's a good it's a good sort of safe vehicle to use to sort of encourage you to go you know what I'm going to go and try this other thing that's nothing to do with training but you've like built up some confidence and some awareness mm. that actually if I follow a bit of a process and I figure this thing out I can I can learn to do something new like I'd love to learn um, a language and 
I just I, I definitely believe that I could learn a language I just need to actually spend some time doing right. it but actually I don't do any yet but. it's interesting because I think once you get into, into the feeling of learning new skills like we're doing calisthenics it becomes quite addictive Karen said to me yeah um, they're not daunting like I'm not da- no. like me saying that out loud and I'd like as Italian I'd like to learn yeah. and I, I need to actually put do actually do something but I'm not daunting like I can say it completely casually because I'm actually not it doesn't bother me it doesn't scare me it's only yeah. it daunting well she said to me what do you want to do for your birthday which is not till November if you want to say presence in that's fine but um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> but she said to me what do you want to do do you want to go away for a weekend or do you want to like um, I want a new watch I know I want a new um, uh, a fitness tracking watch with a heart rate monitor that sort of thing been looking at it for a while and I said to her, I was thinking about it I, go, I said to her do you know what I want to go and learn something like can we go and like um, let's go on like a drawing retreat or something I would love to be able to draw oh, really? um and, I'm, and she's like, yeah, if you want. But like, I'm, I actually really want to learn to draw caricatures. That's yeah. why, um, that's what I want to work towards. But I'm an awful drawer. And she was like, yeah, but what if you're better than me? So don't worry, I am absolute <laughs> toilet at drawing. But that you're right. That person, I just <laughs> teach myself. It's creative, which I like. Yeah. But teach me something new. It's such a great thing. And calisthenics for one has given me confidence to, to, to embrace that sort of stuff for sure. Exhibit C is play. You'll like this one. Play must be fun, otherwise it's just, it's not play. In its purest form, play has no rules. It involves creativity, movement, and engages the body and mind. As a child, you learn to move and refine your skills through play. It helped you to understand where your body was in space, and you explored ways to move and you found out what your limitations were. Play was in fact the original exercise, right up until adults made it structured, uninteresting, and defined it with social norms, etiquette, and acceptable behaviours. If exercise isn't fun, you will find reasons to avoid it, or you'll force yourself to do it, but your brain won't be engaged or interested, and as such, you won't get the stimulus that it needs. You can see the evidence for yourself next time you're in the gym. Just watch people on treadmills or bikes, reading magazines or watching television. The brain dislikes boredom. So when the exercise activity is of no interest, the only way to get through a training session is to occupy it in some other way. Play is a big part of calisthenics. It offers a freedom to explore movement, to see what your human movement system can do. Exercise in this form doesn't revolve around reps and sets. You do it until you're tired or ready to do something else. Play doesn't have a structure. Not only does play make you happy, it creates the conditions for the brain to acquire new skills. It also allows you to test your limitations and sometimes you will find yourself doing something that you didn't think that you could. Play increases effort, motivation and adherence. And when you're enjoying exercise, you will move with more purpose and better quality. Calisthenics in itself is play and play is the freedom to have fun. Now, my expert witness is Dr. Stuart Brown, a book that you're reading, Jacko, and I thought I'd just bring a little bit of his wisdom to the table. And he said that play seems to be one of the most advanced methods nature invented to allow the complex brain to create itself. I think that's pretty cool. He literally is like, if we didn't play, if play wasn't like a thing, um, that we wouldn't exist. As a species. As a species, yeah. That it's that because we would never have worked out the world around, around us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and worked out how to live in harmony with each other. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's a lot more to say on that one apart from having spent over a decade of working in the fitness industry and being part of it for a long time. You don't often see play in fitness. And, and tra- we, yeah, we, we, we construct games, like we have sports and stuff, and that is essentially play. Um, but in the realm of, if you're not a sporty person, where do you get play from in a fitness environment? 
you don't like it's not it's not to say that you don't enjoy a workout you can enjoy it but is it playful there's if it's 50 of these 40 of these 30 of these and or 10 minutes to do most of my you can that's not play that's a structured workout yeah. with a metabolic outcome play is like what are the rules there aren't any and yeah. actually the purest form of play doesn't have white lines and a grid and rules where you can and can't move yeah. into these positions where you have to pass the ball backwards it has to, well, it, it, he says in his true the truest form of play is where there is there is no it has no intent like there's no reason for it you're just literally doing it for the yeah not not yeah the opposite of doing something for the sake of it um just doing it for the pure, pure enjoyment joy of it like yeah. when you see um like you sometimes see with young animals or whatever where they're like we've been at the zoo or whatever and there's like a monkey like running off a thing and jumping down and like splashing the water and getting back up and repeatedly doing mm. it and literally there's no reason for it it's not jumping in the water because it's cold one needs to like yeah. soak up it's repeatedly doing it because it's just having fun it's just enjoying the thrill of falling through the air or whatever it is didn't you tell me there was something from an animal's perspective about survival they use play to hone survival skills uh, no so that was rather the it was like the like I would often think used to think of um, you'd see like young like cats say like fighting like play fighting mm. you think oh well that's so that they're learning how to like fight and defend themselves and play fighting apparently this is so Stuart um, Brown in his research um, says that it's not to do with that and, it's, and it does make sense it's, it's sex about it's it's learning how to be part of society in terms of we, you play fight and you get to find out like what's too much and what's uh, not okay, and what's yeah. and how to actually get along with another with another person rather than learning how to how to fight and apparently mm. if you like you can put a they reckon that I'm sure they reckon that you could put like a, an animal back into the wild and it could actually still hunt like even if mm. it's never like had to do it as a it just yeah. it can just automatically do that side of things but what it needs to learn to do is to socialize and be work within their like yeah. what do you call a group of cats it's got a name um, in it like a herd of cats it's not a herd is it pack pack that's it yeah pack of wolf cats. pack yeah it must be pack lime pride 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 is, it, is it pride of domestic cats i don't know there's a couple that hang out uh, outside mine actually that I might ask them <laughs> right these are the next one's a bit shorter we'll rattle through yeah. these a little bit quicker so I, I agree with you that calisthenics definitely allows you to play more than other training yeah. forms of training well I've experienced quite a few different forms of training from rugby through to just weightlifting and yeah. various stations and calisthenics has definitely got something that gives us the freedom to mess about and we, yeah, we, we, we talked about a lot yeah, yeah. Yeah. someone said to us what are you boys doing because it looks like you're messing about and that was exactly what we were doing we were pretty much and that was because it wasn't like we weren't doing we weren't playing with a few progressions we were literally playing like in the gym yeah. we didn't have a we didn't know enough to know the progressions at that point <laughs> yeah. or to know how many reps of it we should do it yeah. was literally messing about some of the best days we had right onwards exhibit D accessibility forms of exercise that require a lot of equipment or specific venues mean that you can only participate when you have access to them Anyone who has gone from a fully equipped gym to a standard hotel fitness center will know this pain. Yes, it is possible to do something, but that might be a long way from the effective session you would have in your normal regime or environment. Calisthenics is about mastering your own body weight, so you carry the required equipment around with you by default. When you have an exercise repertoire of movements that can be done anywhere, you can always do a training session with the intensity required to get a desired adaptation. At times, there will be a need for something to pull against to ensure you have a balanced program, but a set of gymnastics rings are cheap, transportable, and can be hung from any suitable tree, beam, or bar. 
This piece of evidence around accessibility must be considered in light of the rest of the case of presentation so far. All the aforementioned benefits of calisthenics are available to you anytime, anywhere, at an extremely low cost. And Jacko, I'm going to allow you to be the expert witness for this one. Uh, thanks. I was wondering whether I was going to get a chance. To... Yeah, I think this is fair to say that m- most other forms of training and have to have some some other type of equipment. So that if you haven't got, if you don't need any equipment and it makes it more accessible, then that's got to be a tick box in the a positive uh, notes towards calisthenics and bodyweight training being um, the greatest form of training and when I go to South Africa I've got a set of rings there now but they, yeah. they live there but they were the cheap set that I bought yeah. the first ones I ever had you say rings I but like you could it, it, and you can hang you said you know, hang the rings around a tree but you could just pull up on a tree branch yeah. like there is yeah, plenty of opportunity yeah, yeah. to and the other thing that actually that if you look at you have to then you look around and, and, and be creative with the world around you to go, actually, how can I use my body as the resistance and find something to hang off or do? Yeah. Yeah. And then all the other stuff is literally just you and your body. You don't need anything. I think the, um, uh, the, the defendant's argument towards this would be around the lower body, for example, yeah. that if you are, and I, I would agree and concede, I think that is the right legal mm, terminology, that you, that you would, to get from a longer perspective form, there is some benefit of having weighted lower body, but it's due to the size of the musculature. However, I would counter that by saying, if you can do 10 pistol squats on each leg three times, you've got a decent set of functional legs and you have to then come down to the conversation of what do you want your legs to do? Because you don't need to be able to deadlift two times body weight to enjoy functional life. And, and that's what I was going to say in terms of the argument is, well, what you, if you want your leg, if your legs need to look like a bodybuilder or you want them to look like a bodybuilder, well then, yeah, you've got to have to lift bodybuilding mm. weight but what are your legs for like what are we designed for like if you want to like create massive overload and create much bigger quad muscles then yeah you're going to probably need to you're not going to be able to do it through bodyweight squats but if your legs are there so that you can run for, for like a long time then you don't need that and it's actually then down to like what we actually think we need and often for guys like you've talked about the body dysmorphia thing from years and years and years and years of things that like a lot of the time guys we think that like the 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 body that we should be obtaining is basically something that's not made from natural yeah um sources and they didn't yeah they didn't they they used to be no such thing as like the, the period of life that we currently live in is so small compared to like time that man has been around that like but we can't get it's difficult to get your head around that on a day-to-day basis like people didn't i mean how long we had even had shoes for probably like we just haven't had stuff in the the grand scheme of things for not a long time um certainly like weights yeah i think like early 1900s 1913 1920 was when we had a barbell yeah and we we now like we we lost in world if we didn't have one but i agree like i had a sprint session on monday just started getting back in and and that's that's body weight or you do some jumps and plyometrics but what the outcome that is going to give me is one survival so like yeah. the brain's interested in survival so if i need to run away from something or I want to run towards something to to protect it or be a hero um <laughs> sprints is pretty good yeah big fat slow tree chunks not great for that yeah. so if i want to go and pull jack out of the road when there's a car coming i'm gonna to need to be able to shift a little bit and i think you then you just have to reframe and go well you, do, you can't get big legs of calisthenics do you want big legs or do you yeah. want functioning legs because you can do that with body weight if you think that every time you sprint your body is just, you're sort of decelerating nine or managing nine to eleven times body weight in sprinting movements that's much more significant than a, than a double body weight 
deadlift. And some of it's like genetics, man. Like I know loads of people with bigger legs than me and they don't do any squats and, yeah. or any weights. Yeah. Like they don't train, but their legs are bigger than mine because like, yeah, yeah. genetically I've got skinny legs. All right, E, longevity. So you are going to have the same human body until the day you die. That's a morbid thought. We are all going to die. But you I like, have that body. I like the, the simplicity. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have this body, yeah. Until you die. Yeah. Whilst most people live in the blissful ignorance that this day is a long way off, your body is slowly deteriorating and there will come a period of time when you are less able than you are now. If you want to live a full life, you must ensure you maintain your ability to move for as long as possible. Movement is life. When you lose the ability to move, you're going to lose your life or at least your freedom of enjoyment of it. Exercise and nutrition are the most potent weapons you have to combat the onset of movement degeneration. Therefore, the greatest form of exercise should represent the investment that will reap the largest return from your physical pension. What are the things that a human movement system prioritizes above everything else, regardless of age? Big biceps or a big butt? No. In terms of its optimal performance, the brain wants structure, integrity, and dynamic postural control in order to move well and without pain. It wants joint stability and neuromuscular control. It wants balance and range of movement. It wants strength for precision and strength to overcome external forces. It wants all of this to be linked through a connected chain. Through calisthenics, you will find all these things come as standard in the training package and the pursuit of seeking to master your own body weight. A human flag may look like a great trick, but view it through a lens, a, a different lens, and you will see a representation of what one system can do. High-level shoulder range of movement, stability and strength, which is presented through a newly acquired movement pattern that now allows you to create and transfer forces through the chain and defy gravity. In over a decade as a professional in the elite sport and fitness industry, I have seen a lot of people whose exercise preferences are slowly grinding down and breaking their bodies. They are not making wise investments in their physical pension. By contrast, I'm yet to meet someone who hasn't told me that calisthenics makes them feel better. Expert witness, Mr. Jackson. <laughs> um, witness, maybe not expert. Um, <laughs> I one th one th So... I used to play rugby, which is a contact sport, and it would be unfair to not uh, mention the fact that in a, in a cross-examination, the fact that I now don't play a contact sport is going to probably be one of the reasons um, my body might feel better uh, than it used to. Um, but I've definitely felt the the physical and mental benefits of a shift in training around one thing there's probably less pressure like they used to put a lot of pressure on ourselves to be better and get ready for a game at the weekend in, in a sport like rugby it's, it's week cycles every week um, and there'd be plenty of times where the mentality would be not necessarily just the, the course of a game like that where you would you were you were probably never at a hundred percent you were always carrying niggles and whatnot and you just part of it was you'd figure out how to manage it and, and get around it and have things taped up and everyone was like that um and that's probably not great for our longevity moving forward but it's just what needed to be done during that period of of my life and and for that for that sport um longevity wise though for calisthenics having one of the big things for for me personally was it having a having movement goals that made me focus, like highlighted my weaknesses, whether that's strength or movement and mobility and having to, uh, 
prioritize things that I wasn't good at to get better at things that I wanted to be good at. And I think without those, um, without those movement specific goals, I was stuck in a rut. Once I finished playing rugby, trying to do, I just got very bored of training very quickly. Cause what was the point? There wasn't really a point. Um, I, almost having the, having the flag or a handstand or something aspirational to be the point, um, that makes made a massive difference for me, both physically and mentally. Yeah, I think it comes down to the discussion on like, what do you want to do when you get older? Like what mm. sort of life do you want to have when you're old? And um, you can look at a lot of people that have done a lot of powerlifting or bodybuilding and in the the heyday of 20, 30, 40 years old, they, they got the, 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 um, the, what's the right word? Like they achieved what they wanted to achieve. Yeah. They got the aesthetics they wanted to achieve, that sort of thing. But then the bodies are now pretty broken. They're 60, 70 years old and joints are just knackered. Like it's, they're, they're not in a great place. And it's, that's fine. Like I'm not going to, like we said at the start, we're not trying to vilify anything. If you want to do those sorts of practices, that's great. But you do them alongside thinking about what sort of life you want to have when you're older. I remember like, I don't really back squat anymore. And as an SNC coach, that's like, there was a period of time where I was a bit embarrassed about it because that's, you should back squat, right? But when I back squat, I don't feel good. Um, it compresses my spine and the idea of putting more and more load on top of my spine and then it, because of my, a certain level of sort of joint laxity that I've got in my lower body, it, I find it quite difficult to hold a stable position. I have to work hard to stabilize the knee rather than letting it go too wide because it's, my hips are so loose, hence why I dislocated one when I was 12. So if I'm not in a good position, I then get knee pain and I'm just like, this is not doing anything for me and the reality was I don't need to do it anymore. I don't need to back squat. It's not a badge of honor. Um, but I will still deadlift because picking up heavy stuff is part of what I want to be able to do when I'm older. It's unlikely that, um, I mean, Jack weighs about 14 kilos. If I'm worried about whether I can back squat him when he's like 35 and weighs 80 kilos, like I've lost you've perspective got, of what's got, important. Well, you've got, if he, if he still wants to get on your back when he's 35 years old, you've probably got a bit of a problem. Well, I hope actually that I'm still strong enough to be able to give him a shoulder ride when he's 35, if he wants one. I don't know. Yeah, this is an interesting, I'd love that. I'm interested to know whether, like, is Jack, when Jack's 35, you'll be... Oh, crikey, what is he now? He's two, so 33 years from now, that's going to put me at 70... Oh, that's a, oh, that's a bad thought, yeah. Yeah, it's only one. He's going to kick your ass, I think, when you're, you're 71 versus him at 35. Yeah. I wonder I what that, that yeah, well, what's the age where it's going to tip when he's like... When he's like 16, you've still got him because you're like 55. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see. But I think that is the thing, isn't it? Like investing in terms of what the longer term pitch looks like and getting our head up and, and seeing what the horizon is or what's on the horizon. Um, and I, I, my, my, my proposition, as we've spoken about, is it calisthenics, again, because of the things that we've talked about, not only just the mental health and the physical benefits and movement chain, um, it does set you up for a functional body. And people get uncomfortable with a functional these days, but functional defined and being able, able to, to do, do what you want to do, yeah, able to yeah. do things. Um, one thing we, we recorded another podcast earlier today um, and one thing that uh, it was talking about the nutritional we were talking about the nutritional I think with, with the, um, Sal, Dr. Sally Bell and one thing that I made I made a, a point about in it was that when we're thinking about like our health from uh, what am I going to eat now because I want to be healthy in like 20, 30, 40 mm. years time. It's really difficult because at the time I just really crave that cookie or whatever it is. And it's difficult to make a decision now based on like really far down into the future. Even if I rationally know the thing I should do is have the salad, I'm going to choose the burger or whatever. Um, and I think the same, um, the same goes with this, with this training. But right, I'm going to choose to train now 
based on how I want to be in 30, 40 years time is a difficult decision to make, but that this is an additional case mm. for calisthenics being that you, the way it is, is going to help with that longevity, but you're, it gives you a focus in the now that is still something that you want to do. I mean, you want to do, learn to do this new thing, this cool thing, or whatever it is that it, the movement that you want to do, a flag, handstand, or just a frog stand, or just you just want to learn to do your first pull-up. You really want to do that right now, but it's also building up a physical mm. literacy that's going to see you in good stead moving forward. Um, so you don't have to make this decision that you're torn about, like, I'm going to try and make a good decision now, but it's not really the one I want to make. It's like, I want to learn to do a handstand, and I want to do that now, but it's also going to give me all this stuff yeah. when I'm older if I continue to move. What about if you flip it? And we've talked about hero training before, but like, are you strong enough to save your own life? Because you, yeah. might, you might be thinking, well, what do I want to do when I'm 70? But you might actually, and this is like, I'm, I'm playing sort of fun with it, but like, if you have to save your own life, how you train and how you prepare yourself for survival, brain's number one concern. Are you able to save your own life? Because you might not have, the, you might you might need to be able to do that. One <laughs> you day. might not have the physical ability to, depending on yeah. what. And we, we went out to a tough mother this year with the, with the uh, school of calisthenics community, and then we were at Mike's gym for the Marbella trip, and. Um, and, and Michael would put it like, this is like real world, but it's, we actually come off the tough mud again, it's easy. Like if you train calisthenics, like it's not difficult. Yeah, we didn't do any, I was, there was one really high wall that I was, I was there was, there was like three different size walls and the, the highest yeah. one, most people had, were like getting helped up and whatnot. And I was like, I didn't want any help. But then also at the same point, I was like, people are going to, th- my perception was, people are going to think I should be able to do this easy. But I was looking at it going, that's pretty high. I don't know this is going to be quite I think I can do it but I think it's going to be quite hard and then I surprised myself at how easy I found it because it was like a muscle up with your legs but we don't do we don't train going over walls ever yet the way we train lets us be able to apply that straight away, which yeah. is cool. And the confidence to be able to do, we had a filming um, <laughs> session a while ago and I had to park around the back and the road was closed because of some, um, uh, some road works and some building works and I had to get over around, but I didn't want to walk around, I was a bit late. <laughs> so I saw this, this wall and it was probably as decent, like, I don't know how tall it was, but I had to jump on a, um, a dustbin to, to get over the wall <laughs> and drop down the other side. So let's say it's, it's a decent sort of three, three metres high maybe. And I just looked at it and went, yeah, I'm going to do that. I just jumped up and it wasn't something that I thought about, but had that my life depended on it. And I know people go, yeah, but when your life depends on it, you get this extra reserve and, and you actually can do things you can't do normally. But it's just an interesting thing of like, we, we've talked before about how strong are you in the world? Like, have you got strength that you can do? Can you jump off a three meter wall and land without tearing your ACL, for example? Some food for thought on that one, but it is a, you if can romanticize sure, don't, it. Don't test, yeah, that, don't test out. that out. Yeah, but you can <laughs> smile about it and it's a bit of fun. But at the same time, I, I like being in the world and confident that I can move. Yeah. And I've got some basic strength. Longevity for cal- calisthenics, longevity. Tick. Would you like to be one to exhibit F, Jacko, which oh. is growth mindset? Well, that would be the next logical one after E. <laughs> Creating opportunities with our physical training to do things that we don't believe we can transcends a feat of physical strength. It could be so powerful that it influences all areas of your lifestyle, relationships, career, family, health, and finances. This is about more than taking a photo for social media that will give you a short-term high when we see the likes roll in. Now, this is about changing perspective, self-belief, and developing a positive state of mind. This is bigger than a handstand. 
Tangible goals are everywhere in calisthenics and providing you trust the process and commit the time and effort, you will redefine your impossible. Everything feels hard and out of reach when you start, but at some stage along the journey, you will feel a glimmer of hope that something is happening. Motivation skyrockets and soon the day comes when you will do something for the first time. As you celebrate that moment, you think about what you might do next. But now the landscape has changed because everything seems possible. Calisthenics has the power to change your whole outlook on life. So when I was writing this blog, I, I went out to the community on Instagram and asked them um, what was the biggest benefit that they've experienced from calisthenics and left it as a fairly open question. So my expert witness I'm going to call this time is um, for one of those legends who replied, and it's from Mr. Retro Robbie B, a virtual classroom member, and he said, calisthenics has given the confidence and self-belief in his own abilities where I doubted myself before. The little victories along the way have helped me to not only develop myself in terms of movement, but mentally as well. And I think that sums this section up perfectly yeah no i couldn't i couldn't agree more the uh, there's something i feel like there's something there's something in me and i think that there's something in all of us where we like a challenge like and sometimes when it's just too much it can be too daunting but the what's nice about calisthenics is those challenges like they particularly the way that we've tried to break it down and present it is like okay you want to learn how to do a handstand and you're like petrified of going upside down we're going to start the frog stand and at first you look at the frog stand and you go yeah but I don't think I could even do that but it's not so scary because you're not fully upside down so okay I'm going to give it a go and I've seen this other person doing it in the gym and I'm going to okay I'm, I've seen it on the video I'm going to give it a go and you have that like Robbie said that, that little win it just progressively builds your confidence redefining your impossible doesn't happen in an instant in a day even though like the final part of it might when you do it for the first time but it's often a build up of series of smaller steps that are constantly building uh, building our confidence our, our mental sort of capacity to to deal with different stuff you can see growth mindset in calisthenics because if people stay in the game for long enough they do harder stuff like the things that they go on to like say they can do a they first learn to do a i don't know a back lever it's a fairly good sort of jump on point when they when they start that back lever training or that calisthenics journey if you said to them do you think they'll be able to do a human flag i don't know but they do eventually because yeah. they take the steps and they go through the process and as they do one thing they, they build trust and they can do it in something else and i definitely think that it, it will span out into other areas, it's just like the mental health, like just developing your uh, your mental well being and developing new neural connections in the brain is going to allow you to apply that to other yeah. learning opportunities. I do think calisthenics is a vehicle to allow people to actually experience more growth mindset in their life or be more aware of it. And again, it's not exclusive, like picking up the heaviest weight you've ever lifted as yeah. a powerlifter is going to go through the same best, process. Yeah. And that's not to say that I don't, I'm not saying callous, that growth mindset is unique in calisthenics. It's just that the opportunities for it are plentiful. Yeah. Um, and I think then you again, combine the play side of it and that sort of stuff as well. It becomes really powerful. And again, it's often that it's something that is, it's quite uniquely new. It's not like something else that you've done before. It's not another PB at the current exercise I was yeah. doing. It's like a full new thing. I, I've learned how to do X, now I'm going to do Y. And Y is very different to the thing that I last So you then go back did. and we then multiply this growth mindset because of the new, the new skill acquisition yeah. neural process. So we go back and we double down on the mental well-being component as well. So yeah. all kind of magnifies it goes through. community part of one of these things, isn't it? Exhibit G, Jacko, oh, so is community. About to say, can I just about to say like because one of those things about redefine that that process of redefining possibly seeing other people doing it is a massive part of that which probably gives you a nice segue into this so. let's move on to exhibit g community 
Community and real human connection might be the thing that we as a society are most deficient of in this day and age. Today, it is all too easy to find yourself isolated and lonely, and the statistics on male suicide serve as an example to highlight this issue. Community should therefore be a central and pivotal part of the greatest form of exercise. Humans need people around them. They need interaction, support, laughter, friendship, and love. In any healthy fitness culture, you should find a community that is welcoming of all people, regardless of ability or background. In calisthenics, this exists in abundance. Everyone, regardless of their stage along their individual journey, knows the struggles that will be faced. They have knowledge to share and are forthcoming with it. They also are having fun, which is infectious in itself. We have experienced at the School of Calisthenics something completely incredible with our community and it is something very, very special. The expert witnesses on this one, Jacko, are numerous. I'm going to quote Fit Addict Jem, Jem Hallam on this one. Community of people, this is when I asked what's the best thing Calisthenics has done, the community of people with their unique goals but coming together in mutual support. Um, and another one from Liz Thenix on uh, Instagram. The best thing about Calisthenics is the community. People like you guys with knowledge and that contagious good vibes. It's uh, it's one of those things that gives me goosebumps when we're, we're talking, and, and and I mean this um, genuinely. When we started messing about, which is what someone said, it looked like we were doing in the gym with some calisthenics. We had no idea that there would become. We had no idea that there would be a school of calisthenics one day, and we never. And even then, when we started the school of school calisthenics. Like we hoped and thought that we would help people with their training and help them to learn how to do things, but we we had no idea about the community that was going to get built organically as a result of it. And um, I guess really, it's I just want us, us to say thank you to, yeah. to everyone that's part of it because it, without without the community is is what it's all about. I think um, it's probably what we're most proud of, and not that we did it ourselves, yeah. but we're most proud of. Um, everybody being part of it and it's not like we didn't like you say we didn't set out to do yeah. that so it's not something we're going to take responsibility for and pat ourselves on the back but we are what the school of calisthenics represents and the people that are part of it and how they interact and engage support yeah. with each other and the general vibe like like we said about the good vibes and the positivity that's what i am proud of that and, and we are just part of the community exactly that's yeah. what, like of the same as fit up fit out Gemma, you just quoted there is part of the community yeah. and it's like no one no one owns or controls that community the community itself is its own thing yeah. um and it's and it's a special thing and so yeah so thank you to everyone that is is part of it is in and is remaining part of it and inputting and and and, and actually just everyone just driving it together mm-hmm. to ultimately help everybody with all those things that you just said um that help people with their training enjoy their training and how that is just spilling over into think, other areas of everyone's life yeah and i think in terms of the the case that we're putting forward in this uh, in this blogging podcast is that i've been involved in health and fitness for a long time and when i used to go to gym and bench press and back squat there were always a bro community of people that you would sort of engage with and you have your gym mates and acquaintances but it was never the same i never people are never as forthcoming as what they've been in calisthenics when i started and we went to the park and trained there if somebody else was training it there was just a conversation it was so easy and that person would either ask us a question or tell us something or give us some advice and then bringing other people in and connecting them it's just it's just yeah it's, it's been a real sort of organic process but difference with the things and again i'm not saying you don't get great community in crossfit i'm not saying you don't get it in bodybuilding whatever it might be it's just that 
any, as I said in the blog, any healthy fitness community should have a culture of acceptance and embracing and bringing human connection because it is super, super important. Yeah, and you definitely gets another tick. Gets another tick. Calisthenics. So we now we've reached the point where I should make my closing remarks, oh, Jacko, yeah. and then you can wrap up if you want to yeah. with a verdict. The greatest form of exercise must create the conditions for optimal physical and mental well-being, health and performance. And that doesn't mean performance for a big one-off event. I'm talking about performance in life. Our happiness is founded on much more than what we do whilst we are physically training. What we choose to invest our time, energy into should impact all areas of our life and our enjoyment of it, both now and in the future. There are many ways to exercise, but I put it to you that they are not all equal. Few can claim to enhance body, mind and soul like calisthenics does. Yes, there will always be a personal preference, but this is not what's on trial today. To illustrate my point, spirulina might be one of the most nutrient-dense foods in the world, but not everyone wants to eat it. That, however, does not change the fact that it is extremely good for you. I have presented the benefits of calisthenics, the evidence as to why calisthenics is the greatest form of physical training. I ask you now to take a step back and reflect and see the bigger picture. Where else can you find all these benefits in an exercise form where everything is equally scalable as you progress and improve? You never finish calisthenics. It will always be ready to give you more. I rest my case. So the verdict point now. Have you reached a verdict and the things we've been talking through? What do you think? It'd be great if we can pick this conversation up. Yeah. So it's time for us to consider the verdict. The jury is out. I think that is the correct thing. That's what it's on. Yeah. Legal drama, isn't it? And we'd like to hear from from you out there uh, listening to the podcast and even, or if you've list, read the blog before and you've listened to this as well. Um, share, yeah, share your thoughts. What do you think? We, um, I appreciate it. it's probably a relatively biased audience that if you <laughs> listen to the Scorecards podcast, you're probably um, engaged in Castanet Extreme, but there might be a few things that you uh, disagree with or uh, you just have uh, some additional thoughts that you'd like to share. We'd love to hear from you so you can um you can hit us up on on instagram and send us messages let us know what you thought of uh of the seven points of of evidence that tim raised and we'd love to hear what you think so your final instructions is you must now decide whether i have given preponderance of the evidence done enough to persuade you that what i have presented is more likely to be true than not true so until next time court adjourned so thank you so much again for listening we don't take it lightly that you uh, give up probably an hour of your time to listen to these podcasts and we really do appreciate that we hope you got a load of value out of it guys and we would if you did we would love you to do a couple of things for us one of them is tell other people and share it if you thought that we were adding some value and also if you want to pop over to itunes or wherever you're listening to this and give us a five star review we like five stars four stars not as good keep it five are the best five of your best stars please And if you would like to find out more about the School of Calisthenics and see the best of everything that we have got, head over to our virtual classroom. You can access it from the website at schoolofcalisthenics.com. And that is where we have got literally, possibly, the best calisthenics resource available anywhere in the world. It's definitely the best one we've done. And on that note, until next week, class dismissed.